Hello, I am your host, Christopher David, and welcome to On the Front Lines of Collapse, where my co-host, Christopher Michael, and I chronicle the ongoing collapse of the industrial world. In this episode, we will be discussing the psychology of collapse and how to strengthen your mental health during an era of resource scarcity. Welcome, Christopher Michael. Hello, how are you? Doing well. I just wanted to let the audience know that we do live on a farm, and so there are times where there's going to be a rooster crowing in the background. Uh, the chickens are going to be fighting over who has what nest box, and there's probably a duck running by the door too. So let's get into it. Christopher Michael, what inspired you to start writing this book, The Psychology of Collapse? I started writing it because when we did articles on mental health for our website, we would get probably 12 to 13 people reading it when regularly an article coming out about mm, food scarcity mm -hmm. or the economy would get 500, 600 mm -hmm. views. So it just showed me people are not paying attention to mental health. Correct. They're not right. looking at their emotions, how they interact with other people, and how they interact with themselves. Mm -hmm. I found that to be scary because we're going into a situation in the future, which is happening now, mm -hmm. where we're on a downward hill mm -hmm. of collapse, decline, bad economy, lowered resources. I don't want to go into that situation holding hands with people that don't understand their emotions. Mm -hmm. Seriously. That's why I wrote it, because I break down the basics of psychology mm -hmm. so that you understand what's an emotion, mm -hmm. what is anxiety, what's depression. Uh, what is gaslighting? Mm -hmm. uh, what's a narcissist? Mm -hmm. How to look at them, interact with them. Mm -hmm. People have a lot of opinions right now mm -hmm. about calling people a narcissist when you're not uh, a, quote, expert mm -hmm. psychologist or, or therapist. I saw a therapist on Instagram who was specifically talking about the subject of narcissism and that everyone's being labeled a narcissist mm -hmm. in the media, movies, anywhere you look. And she says to be careful talking about people in a clinical type about narcissism. Mm -hmm. uh, but I don't think I have to have a degree in psychology to say that person's a narcissist. Mm -hmm. Because if they check every single box, mm -hmm. I want to know how to deal with them. Mm -hmm. So I'm perfectly fine with that. The book is about getting people to understand themselves, really. Mm -hmm. That's excellent. And it's it's absolutely needed in a time like this. Mm -hmm. You know, like you're saying, you don't want to be, you you know, you can have family members, you can have your partner, neighbors, or just random people in the street. You know, these people need to be working on what makes them tick, what is the baggage behind it, um, and try to work out their issues. So it's not to complicate their lives. It's not to make them feel stupid or undeserving or anything like that it's actually to make their lives better by working on themselves so that they are their true selves they can do what they want to do be who they want to be and not worry about the baggage behind it from you know stereotypes or responsibilities that family friends and whoever else put on them that they don't actually need to carry that burden so what makes you reputable and why should people listen to you when it comes to writing this book that's a fair question, I think. Uh, I don't have 
classical, I guess you could say, training in psychology mm. or therapy or and any of that type of things. I have a bachelor's in sociology and a master's in business. Mm-hmm. I don't think my bachelor's in sociology makes me an expert in sociology, mm-hmm. and I don't think my master's in business makes me a master of business. Mm-hmm. These are just... Uh, titles that are bestowed because you read a certain amount of books Mm -hmm. and you answered a certain amount of questions correctly. I mean, you know, a couple of years ago, I was throwing around the idea of going to school to get a PhD to be a clinical psychologist. Absolutely. And the reason I didn't do it is because higher education right now is in the absolute dumps. Mm -hmm. It's horrible they're indoctrinated too far to the left when you see a school where 98 percent of the professors or the teaching staff are democrat supporters you have an issue at your school Mm -hmm. and i would say the same thing if it was a school that had 98 percent republican (laughs) yeah like liberty university or messiah because for education and i think for any intellectual pursuits you have to have a balance Mm -hmm. there has to be a certain amount of information coming from one side and a certain coming from the other side and then you put it together in the middle so that you understand it right yeah i'm not going to go to a school to have people tell me what book to read and what questions to answer and how to answer them yeah because you know the professor wants exactly a particular answer i know what they i've been through college classes even especially in my master's where I knew exactly what they wanted me to say, and I knew how to get the grade that I wanted to get. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I've shown I can complete a degree. I have been doing the studies myself mm-hmm. for the last couple of years, reading any book I can find, any article I can find, clinical discussions and journals about psychology, understanding people, understanding emotions, anxiety. And I don't think having a degree will make you an expert Mm -hmm. so read the book when it comes out Mm -hmm. if you like it cool Mm -hmm. if you don't cool Mm -hmm. it's gonna speak to some people because it breaks stuff down for someone not in the biz Mm -hmm. to understand right oh wow i didn't know that Mm -hmm. there's so many little things that when you are clued into it Mm -hmm. you're like oh that makes so much sense Mm -hmm. i can do that a couple of examples that we talked about recently is the i don't know who that is but they call it the of course method Mm -hmm. i don't think it has to be a method but it just says when you're dealing with someone who's a narcissist or maybe someone who's really just really negative toward you in your life that when they do something that is completely in character and checks the box of (laughs) a narcissist or Mm -hmm. a sociopath or whatever that you say of course they would do that because that's who they are Mm -hmm. that's their character that's what I'm talking about. There's little things like that in the book to clue you in, to make it easier to understand yourself and others, mm-hmm. but especially in the frame of societal collapse. Mm-hmm. I give a timeline of the mental health and the emotions of collapsing. Mm-hmm. First week, first couple of weeks, first six months, first year. Mm-hmm. And I do it in two different ways. The first way is collapsing on your own, which we did. Mm-hmm. Back in 2020. What does that look like real quick? So that looks like simplifying your life. And by that, I mean moving out of an apartment, moving out of a city, Mm -hmm. going back to basics, Mm -hmm. basically, where 
we wash our clothes in a round little tub mm-hmm. outside with a washboard mm-hmm. and soap. Uh, we don't have air conditioning, mm-hmm. microwave, electric stove, TV, TV, because those things are not necessary to have a happy life. Mm-hmm. And I think it takes a little bit to understand that. And if you can collapse on your own while still having connection to society and modernity, mm-hmm makes it so much easier but you still go through some of the similar emotions of someone that's going to collapse with society Mm -hmm. and by that i mean they're different timelines Mm -hmm. we were able to have the emotions of the collapse on our timeline Mm -hmm. where we could elongate the emotions right and by that i mean when society collapses together, mm-hmm. that timeline is going to be super short. Mm-hmm. And you're going to have a lot of emotions all at once. It's dangerous for people that don't understand their emotions. So what do you think is the most important part of mental health plus collapse? Well, going from our experience, like you were just saying, how we had to collapse now. We lost our jobs because of the pandemic. We did have this property and we had a tiny house we were working on. So we we were setting up to collapse, but we didn't expect it so soon. But we were really fortunate to not go on those vacations, not go out to dinner all the time to save money and to work towards this. We weren't handed this. This wasn't a, um, a privilege to have. We worked for it and we actually went without for a lot of time before we actually had this place to work on. So I really agree with you. You you bring up some really excellent points and it really shows the dire need for people to work on their mental, physical, emotional, and spiritual health because you came into this world just with what you got and you're going to leave it with just what you got. So be happy, find out who you are, work on that self-esteem. For me, like the people pleasing is such a huge thing to work through but i can really see how that i've started working on it how it's so liberating to get through it so i can dedicate my time and energy to what really matters in my own life which is my loved ones my animals the um, tiny house that we're living in um, and just my quality of life so that's what's important love care trust and respect for yourself stop expecting other people to do that for you because no one else has your back like you do. And that's the importance of finding out who you are and working on yourself and loving yourself because we've got some monumental challenges coming. Um, They've already started for a lot of people. For instance, that one lady that you saw on social media asking, how do you support a family of four or five with $45 a week? You know, collapses happened for her Mm -hmm. she didn't choose when to collapse that was a while ago that was yeah that was uh gosh probably back in the uh probably december or so so yeah you know collapse happened for her and it wasn't on her time scale you know it was forced upon her and so she's scrambling trying to feed a family that big with with nothing to go off of and now imagine doing that without understanding your emotions. Correct. And that's, that is the whole crux of everything right now. Thank you for saying that. Cause it reminded me if I can um, interject real quick, it, so much of society is blaming the individual for the problems that we're in. And it's not the individual's fault. We have resource scarcity. We have political instability and a hell of a lot of political stupidity 
that have it's taken years to manifest itself in the forms that we see today. So there's a lot of greed. There's a lot of narcissism. There's a lot of mentally toxic people that are running things. And so they're not going to take the blame for it, but they're going to blame you and I for all these problems. And it's only our problem when we're personally not taking responsibility for ourselves. So keep that in mind. What would be some examples of people in your personal life or in the um, resilience community that you could give, and you don't have to get names unless you want to, examples of what, like, what does a narcissist look like in a collapsing, a collapse type community, a prepping community, or in your own life? Okay, well, so I'll start just at home, so mm-hmm. that because everyone has some family that they've known at one point or another. <laughs> sure. Okay. So, a narcissistic family member is going to look like someone who always has something bad going on. There's always something chaotic mm-hmm. happening in their life. Usually, it's from their choices, but they don't want to listen to that. So drama, mm-hmm. lots of drama. Okay. They live off of chaos. They're like chaos vampires Mm -hmm. they just suck the life out of the chaos because it gives them some type of fuel there's some type of a a base desire that's getting settled with Mm -hmm. all of that if you're talking to them they're probably not asking you how you are Mm -hmm. or if they are it's a way to get you to ask them how they are Mm -hmm. okay because it all is going to come back to them okay so you're going to see that that if you have a conversation with them maybe on the phone Mm -hmm. it's all about them they never talk about you unless it has something to do with them. So they can redirect it back mm-hmm. to them. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you can see that in parents, siblings, aunts, uncles, cousins. You can see it in friends. You can see it in coworkers. You never seem to do enough to satisfy them. Mm-hmm. And they always want something more. Mm-hmm. Maybe they have been divorced a couple of times. Mm-hmm. I think that's a, that to me checks a red flag for anybody. Talk about chaos. Yeah. I understand people get divorced. They maybe grow apart from each other. But if you're on divorce two, three, four, mm-hmm. something's up. Yep. You, like, need, <laughs> you need to actually examine the problem. And then if the answer is you, which it very well could be, you need to do something about it. Mm-hmm. Because other people are looking at you and now you're being used as an example to show what a narcissist looks like mm-hmm. of someone that makes bad decisions mm-hmm. constantly. I talk about it in the book. I have a whole chapter on it in the mm-hmm. book on narcissists number one way to deal with them is get rid of them mm-hmm. cut them out push them to the mm-hmm. side if there's someone that's close to you as in you live with them mm-hmm. do it safely mm-hmm. come up with a timeline but you need to start thinking about it because sure. at the end of the day if it's a decision between you and them they're going to pick themselves is there any type of physical indicator for you as an individual dealing with the narcissist Or if you don't know if a person is a narcissist, but you're maybe trying to connect the dots a little bit, is there any physical indications that would lead you on? Yeah, I think sometimes if you're having a conversation with someone and after a while you start developing a headache, it's because you have some type of, there's, I I see it as like an emotional type of like blockage that is being caused by that other person. Mm -hmm. That if you physically feel sick, headache, exhausted Mm -hmm. maybe the next day you're so tired you can barely get up Mm -hmm. you are probably talking to a narcissist because Mm -hmm. they are sucking Mm -hmm. the emotions and energy Mm -hmm. from you so yeah that that i would say is a physical Mm -hmm. reaction to 
um, to someone and you have to be in touch with yourself Mm -hmm. to be able to understand that. Yeah. Yeah. Because like a great example of that was just a few weeks ago, actually, I was talking to a relative of mine who I really valued and loved and really looked up to uh, when I was done. Uh, when I got off the phone with them for talking for a good hour, um, it was all about them. Everything going wrong in their world. And, you know, I felt exhausted. I had the, the worst migraine um, dealing with that. And I was like, what the hell is going we on? We both did. You know, I <laughs> and feel- I wasn't even as invested. Mm-hmm. And, and not to mention, like, every single chaotic event was all caused by them stirring the pot um, them directly starting it in one way or another contributing to it. And so that really was a huge indicator for me, like, why the hell do I feel this bad talking to someone like this? And then, you know, you kind of start examining yourself and going through the emotions of it. And, you know, maybe this person isn't good to be around. It takes a certain level of introspection to even get to that point. Sure. To be able to recognize that you're feeling mm-hmm. maybe emotionally drained and it might manifest itself physically mm-hmm. um, in it that to, to understand this person's not good for me to talk to mm-hmm. even if that person gave birth to you mm-hmm. for example right that does not give them any type of right mm-hmm. to invade your mind mm-hmm. it just doesn't and your mental health right. and your physical health because it you know it's not just you know it starts showing up in your physical health too you might have stomach problems you know, you might have ongoing migraines. You might have like a nervous twitch from it. You know, I mean, if depending on is it really an abusive situation, you know, hopefully the listener can see and understand that they're not alone with what they're experiencing with this and going into a world that is a lot more physical, um, demanding on them. You know, it's really important to be grounded in who you are and go through, work through a lot of the baggage because, you know, Natalie Liu of the Baggage Reclaim Sessions uh, based in UK talked about how um, adults spend pretty much their entire lives unlearning what they picked up as children, you know, and that's so true for um, my upbringing with my chaotic and abusive household um, as well as yours. The thing with that, you want to start doing it now Mm -hmm. because when we talk about societal collapse, if it happens at a point where it's all very sudden and it seems to be getting quicker right now, you want to be able to have done that before Mm -hmm. you have to deal with these probably horrible situations that maybe you're in a situation where there's no more gas for the trucks mm-hmm. in your area. So they're not bringing food to the supermarket. Yep. You can't put any in your car. So you decide you need to walk someplace yep. with your family. And maybe you get into a situation where someone gets hurt along the way and you need to make the decision. Do we leave this person or do we keep going? Because that's the only thing we can do to survive. You know, what if little kids come up to your door looking for food? Mm-hmm. Do I turn this person away? Well, you know, quite possibly you help them, but also possibly you don't have any on hand or they're just being used to look out to see who has stuff and who doesn't. Yeah. And you want to have a firm grasp on your mental faculties at mm-hmm. that point Correct. to yeah. be able to make those decisions. Sure. So kind of along the same lines of that simplifying before collapse. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about why do you think people see simplifying as downgrading? That's really interesting because I, you're right. People do really think that it's beneath them. Um, we've been so accustomed to in the United States, the 
abundant wealth. I mean, you have um, 5% of the world's population consuming almost a quarter of the world's resources to prop up our incredible privileges and entitlements that we can drive the Chick-fil-A and get a milkshake at any time that we want. Except on Sundays. Yeah, except on Sundays. <laughs> um, you know, or Walmart or um, Lowe's or Home Depot and have all these items right there. People don't want to give that up. They don't. They will come up with every excuse under the sun as to why they can't do it. We've been told that, oh, well, you guys have it easier. Or someone said, you you know, you guys live two lives. I can't really do that. What? What do you mean? You know, and then in the prepping community, you have people that go and buy, buy, buy and want to consume their way out of a consumption issue. They think that if you can't buy it, well, then, you know, it's just, yeah, I can't do it. You know, and that they're going to be ready for a situation because of the things that they bought and never used, right. by the way. Yeah. So, you know, simplifying to them is a dirty word. Mm-hmm. It's what poor people do. You know, and we're not poor. We have five degrees between us. We have the New Revenant Society website. Um, multiple books. Yeah, multiple books right mm-hmm. now. Um, we've done, learned numerous skills. I mean, I just couldn't go into it just with the off-grid living, the electrical, the building, the tiny house, the chickens, the animals, canning. Um, you have to understand so many different areas to sure. be successful. Sure. Yeah. So, you know, when we're talking about this, we're not just some, you know, hillbillies living on the side of a mountain. You know, we have tremendous amount of skills um, and time and willpower to learn these things, develop them. And then the crucial thing is to apply it, you know, because I think a lot of people just want to sit there and talk about it. They want to read uh fiction books about it but it takes a lot of work to actually apply it and And you think that's why they see it as a downgrade because it's so much work correct Mm -hmm. yeah yeah because one of my biggest passions in life is land like plants and permaculture design um growing up it plants farming landscape that's what minorities do immigrants do that you don't do that. That's that's beneath you. You know, low educated people or farmers. This is what people around you were saying. Correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Growing up. So, you know, I had that type of baggage of like, oh, gosh, I'm not good enough because I really enjoy growing plants and trying to grow a garden and, you know, raise animals. But it was always viewed in my community as something beneath everyone to do that. So I, I think there's a huge stigma with it. People don't want to look poor. People don't want to apply the work ethic that needed to do this, um, even though it benefits them specifically. No, it doesn't benefit a bank or a large corporation. You know, yeah, I think those are some pretty big issues that people are going to have to work through. And it's going to be really challenging for them because their mental attachments to modernity are really solidified in their minds and they're not going to want to give it up. I think what's interesting to me is a lot of the, uh, we'll just call them celebrity voices mm-hmm. of the community that's telling people, hey, we're it's not going well. Yeah. You need to make sure. these changes now to be able to live in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, why there's so much hypocrisy in their community? Mm-hmm. Because, it, because there is. Mm-hmm. Where when you listen to people like um, Prepping Podcast or... Um, you know, societal collapse mm-hmm. podcast. They are, most of them live in apartments. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not doing what we're doing. They're not simplifying. So right. that's like me 
having a podcast about walking on the moon. Mm-hmm. I've never been there. Yep. I can talk about it because I can make stuff up. I write sure. fiction books. Right. But when you're not doing it, mm-hmm. you don't. You really don't know what's mm-hmm. happening with it. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I'm glad that you brought that up because it is really true. Um, the hypocrisy of it is really what irks me. Um, you know, you have people that the end of suburbia, um, magic people um, that, you know, are love nature, uh, you know, religious magic type um, backgrounds, and they live in the city center of a large uh, mega city. Like, really? Um, the inauthenticity of it is is gross. Uh, but then they're touted as experts, but they never really do anything that would build the skills to show the people that they tell to collapse now and avoid the rush or get out of suburbia. They never actually show them what they're doing. Mm-hmm. They don't give them the encouragement that people like us in the trenches would love to see, you know, resilience type, um, you know, Oh, so I left my one big mansion into another historic mansion in new England. And, you know, if you pay me, I will be your information scout and I'll mm-hmm. think for you. You know, so we've got the hypocrisy going on. We've got the inauthenticity. We also have money grubbing people that are out there to take your fear and take the responsibility away for you as long as you pay them. Yeah, they're monetizing people's fear. Right, right. Which is just horrible. I I think to go off of that, what I'd like to say is if you're listening to this podcast and you've been thinking – I'd really love to simplify. I just don't know how to do it. Mm-hmm. I don't know what is the first thing I'm supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Send us an email because we'll tell you how to do it. I think it's just really important for everyone to understand that simplifying is not downgrading. Mm-hmm. I would say it's the opposite right. in a lot of ways. You do have to change your view on things that you go through almost like a culture shock. No, it is. Or it is. It's it, really mental. Yeah. Where for the first, I'd say, six months to a year, I didn't feel part of society. I felt a lot of anime, mm-hmm. and it made me feel like I was so different from uh, everyone else that was living in a traditional house. Mm-hmm. Because even though when you go into our house, you wouldn't know that you're in shipping containers, mm-hmm. right? It does not look like shipping containers inside the mm-hmm. house. But you have that kind of like a nomic disorientation, I like to say, when you're you're in a situation where you're you can reach out and touch modernity, mm-hmm. but you're not part of it. Mm-hmm. It does take a little bit of a, an adjustment mm-hmm. to to get to a better place sure. with it. But once you get to that place, your bills are way down. You don't have to pay mortgage. We don't pay mortgage. We don't pay. For electricity, electricity, water, sewage, sewage, any of that. So our debts are incredibly low. It's just the truck Mm -hmm. a little bit. And and so you're not paying for those other things. So you have to do more work for, I would say, normal things. Mm -hmm. But you get a lot more time Mm -hmm. to focus on honing your skills. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because everything that you're doing it's benefiting you. Mm-hmm. So without that big mortgage for that big house that is benefiting a bank, you're downsizing your house to a, a modest level. So that means that your bills are a lot more modest now because you're not using all that energy. You're not trying to heat it or cool it as extensively as you did before. 
you downsize your vehicles. You don't need to have that extra um, weekend Jeep to drive around and show off um, or that RV or that boat or that ATV or whatever other useless thing that is just um, adding more stress to your budget. I feel like you're building equity in yourself. Correct. Yeah. So, Christopher, when do you think your book, The Psychology of Collapsing, will be published? I'm hoping for the beginning, but let's just say the end of October to give me a little bit more time. Okay. I have the uh, the meat and potatoes in it mm-hmm. right now. I'm just making sure all my uh, I's are dotted and T's are crossed. I have a ton of resources in the book, mm-hmm. uh, links to uh, different people where the information is coming from, but um, tips tools, tricks, all kinds of stuff. So I want to make sure that uh, it's the best version that it can be. Absolutely. Yeah, that's great because there's not many. I don't think there actually is anything. I haven't seen anything on the market that specifically talks about mental health and the emotions surrounding a societal collapse because sure. we haven't had one in <laughs> yeah. quite some time. Yeah. Uh, so that's why I came up with the idea that it's just important for everyday people who mm-hmm. might not even want to pick up a psychology or a self-help book mm-hmm. that can see, hey, this is really easy to understand basic information that will help you. Perfect. All right, great. It's really exciting to see you get all that done and be able to publish that Thank you. in the next couple of months. That's all the time we have for today. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to know more about us and our work, we encourage you to check us out at newrevenantsociety.com, which a link will be in the show notes. Till next time, friends.